You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So I've been uh, I've been here at Trinity for about uh, six and or you know in my sixth year uh, I was a pastor at my previous congregation for about three years and one of my favorite things to do over this last almost ten years is to teach um, I love to teach I love to teach uh, in an adult Bible class. Uh, my last congregation, I was the youth guy, so I got to do all of the teaching in the school, and, uh, and I still get to do some teaching in the school here, and uh, I, get to, I get to teach, I got to teach confirmation, I'm doing some of that again, and I love, I just love that aspect of teaching, and, and one of my favorite conversations to have is around the Ten Commandments. I love to, to walk through the Ten Commandments, and, and whenever I do that, whenever I start a module on the Ten Commandments, I always walk through each of them, right? We just read through each of the Ten Commandments, and then as I do that, uh, especially with the middle schoolers, I love to ask them, now, are there any of these that you have kept your whole life, right? Are, are there any of these commandments that you have not yet broken? And almost always I get a, well, yeah, right? And, and it always comes on the Fifth Commandment, right? You shall not murder. And, and, and so far, every time I've taught the, the commandments, especially in middle school, um, none of them have killed anyone, right? So they've all been able to say, yes, I have kept the fifth commandment perfectly so far, as we read it just as it is. But then we get to hear how Jesus helps us better understand this commandment. And Jesus in Matthew 5 says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And this is from 1 John, right? The evangelist John even gets more clear with us, more specific, right? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so now you start to okay, maybe I can't so confidently say that I've never broken uh, the fifth commandment. And then we look at Luther's explanations to the commandments. In the small catechism, we get to read uh, what, how Luther helps us. And almost every time that Luther explains a commandment, he tells us what we should do or what we should not do. He starts with that and then tells us what we should do to help keep that commandment. And Luther says for the fifth commandment, what does this mean? Well, we should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. And again, as we look at this, what we should not do, again, it seems pretty obvious. Maybe we've been done an okay job of not only not like ending someone's life, but, but not hurting them, not harming them. But then we get to this next part that says, but we should help and support him in every physical need. And then I ask my class, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Right? And I, I love teaching the commandments because we can literally say, well, what does this look like? What would it look like in our lives to do these things? And as we talk about this conversation almost always without fail, 
someone asks the question, sometimes it's me, but someone asks the question, well, what about that person who's standing on that corner outside of Walmart with the sign in his hand, or her hand, or their hands, asking for food? What is the fifth, or asking for money, what does the fifth commandment say about them? What does it mean to help and support that person in every physical need? And I'll be blunt, I'm not going to give you the answer to that. Just as in my class, I don't tell them what to do, we look at God's Word and then I let God's Word sink into them and see how God's Word calls them to live. But as I think about myself when I typically when I come up to that situation, or, or as I've talked in my classes, as others have told me, you know, especially at Walmart, if you see that person on the corner, it's really easy to just take the side road all the way down so you don't have to stop. Then they're not your neighbor, right? If you don't stop beside them, they're not your neighbor, so it's not your problem, right? Or sometimes we hope that, that there's no traffic coming so that we can do the quick stop and turn, and it just wasn't enough time. Or, as we're thinking about those individuals, we, th- we think to ourselves, well, boy, if they would just get a job, they wouldn't be there, and they wouldn't need my help, so just go get a job. Or, or we start to ask ourselves, well, how are they going to use that, right? If I give them $20, or if I give them a dollar, or if I give them whatever, how are they going to use it? Are they, maybe they're going to abuse it, right? Maybe they're going to take that and use it for drugs or alcohol. Or sometimes they've got that cute little puppy with them. Or they've got a kid with them. And now you're like, man, now they're just trying to play off my emotions. And so I don't know how, what I'm supposed to think. And so, so, so we start to, start to rationalize in our heads all these reasons why this person probably doesn't deserve our help. And so then we, we drive on past them. So I just want to take a look at God's Word and see what it says, right? And, and we read a chunk of it already today in Deuteronomy chapter 15 where it says, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving to you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And so if we were just to take these four or five verses in a nutshell, if we were just to read these... Right? It would seem quite obvious that there's no excuse for me to drive past that person. Right? That, that is my job, right? Jesus says, or God says that there will always be poor in the land and we need to take care of them. Now I will say there are many different ways that we can take care of those who are in need. Right? It might not just be handing them money. But so, what does it look like? Right? It's, it's, we're called to take care of those who are in need. What does that look like? Well, again, the reason I love teaching the Ten Commandments is because we can very obviously say, do this, don't do this, right? It's really easy for me to teach law. It's really easy to teach that this is what you should do. 
But as I've been, as I went through seminary, um, and as I've especially been with Vicar Rathke, as he's been working his way through seminary, uh, especially in our preaching classes, we're reminded of this duality, the law and the gospel, right? The law tells us what, what we should do, what God wants us to do, right? The will that God has for our lives, and the gospel then tells us what God does for us, right? To, when teaching confirmation with middle schoolers, we typically use the SOS, the law shows us our sin, and the gospel shows us our Savior. But as I was going through my preaching classes, and Vicar Rathke just went through one of his uh, uh, a few quarters ago, in those classes we were reminded that we, need, we must preach law and gospel, but that the gospel must predominate. The gospel must overcome everything because that's what Jesus does, right? Jesus overcomes our sinfulness. But the law is really easy to preach. It's really easy for me to stand up here and tell you, do these things. Don't do these things. And it gets results, right? Especially if I can tell you, do it, do it, do it, and you go and do it. Yes, my preaching has been successful. But the gospel must predominate. And so as we think about this Deuteronomy text, it was all law. It was all do this. So where's the gospel in that? Well, you have to zoom out a little bit and remember that Deuteronomy, the whole book, is Moses as the, as the Israelites are getting ready to enter into the promised land, the land that they did nothing to deserve, the land that they, were, they, that they are being given. Moses steps back and says, before you enter, let me remind you of everything that has happened, everything that God has done for you, especially over these last 40 years. And then just a few verses later in this conversation alone, Moses reminds the people and he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day, right? God remind, or Moses reminds the people that you were once slaves and God pulled you out of that. You were once poor. You had nothing. And God pulled you out of that. And is giving you this land that you did nothing to deserve, that you did nothing to earn. Right? And and that's an Old Testament story for a specific people in a specific place, but the same is true for you and me. Right? Paul tells us in Romans 5 that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Right? While you were still dead to sin, Christ died for you to give you new life. Right? That's the gospel, that's the, the good news here in, in this text and in this place, right? God has done this for you. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, but, but Pastor, you're talking about me being a sinner and, and, and those are poor people over there. We're, we're different, right? I might be a sinner, but I'm not poor. Or that person, maybe I just give them Jesus. What do they need? Well, how do these connect? Well, Matthew 5 Jesus, in in his greatest sermon ever preached, says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the question is, what does it mean to be poor? Well, to be poor means that you have nothing to offer back to someone. Right? And so when Jesus says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, blessed are those who have nothing to offer to Jesus to earn their salvation. Right? And you and I, we are poor in spirit. 
because we cannot do for ourselves anything in terms of our salvation. We cannot do anything to make Jesus love us more. In our traditional services, we, we got to our time of confession, and we all confessed that I am a poor, miserable sinner. Right? We are poor because we have nothing to offer to God for our salvation. Instead, He gives us everything. So then I want you to then think back to that person who's on the street corner holding the sign. And it's someone, again, who has nothing to offer back to us. Just like I have nothing to offer back to God. But, but I wonder, what if, what if the same criteria were used by God that I use for that person? Right? Whether or not he was worthy of receiving help. Right? What, if, what if God looked at me and said, well, yeah, I'd forgive you, but you might abuse that forgiveness. I'd forgive you, but, but you might need to keep coming back for forgiveness because you go and you, you do the things that still got you in trouble in the first place. I, I'd forgive you, but, but you might keep on sinning. You might, you might go back to that old way of life. What would happen if God used that same, that same criteria on us for forgiveness? Because I do all of those things. I come before God and I ask Him for forgiveness, and by the end of the day, I need more forgiveness. Because I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I'm selfish. I like to look at what's best for me and not always care about what's best for those around me. Right? And yet I still am able to come before God every, every day, every weekend, and confess all my sins unto God, my Father, and He grants us, He grants me, He grants you forgiveness. And He doesn't just do it seven times. He doesn't do it 70 times. He doesn't, he, he doesn't do it 700 times, seven times. He does it over and over and over. He gives, and He gives, and He gives. And if you've been with us for a few weeks, God gives. What do we do when God gives? We respond, right? God gives, and we respond, right? You shall remember that God has given you everything, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, that you were, that you were dead in your trespasses, that you were dead in your sins, yet the Lord God gave. The Lord God redeemed you. He brought you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. He brought you out of death and into life. And therefore, He commands you this day, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Again, we can have lots of conversations on how is that best way to help that person. But God has, has gifted us all differently. God has given us all different gifts, and with those, He calls us to live generously because God gives and we respond in all aspects of our lives. God gives and gives and gives, and we respond. So this week... I'm just going to bet, whether it's this week, I'm not, I'm not going to bet, but uh, 
this week it's probably going to happen, whether it's this week or this month, that you're going to have an opportunity where someone in front of you is going to be in poor and in need for whatever reason that is. As God has given to you, how might you respond to that? Be on the lookout, because it's going to happen. But God gives, and we respond.